Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian. Somewhere out there in the world is Mr. John Morris, and he's going to tell you all about all of our wonderful sponsors. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Working Class Fishing. This episode is being brought to you by Troutlander Nets, Exploration Through Innovation, Lid Rig, Use Your Head, Snip Different, Max and Outfitters, Made by Anglers for People That Fish, and Morris Flyco. Our guest this evening, the, the quite literally most mysterious person I think I've ever tried to find anything on, is Mr. David Chabot uh, from Timber and Fins. Dude, butchered your name, but thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. So to give you guys a little bit of background, um, so David runs a company called Timber and Fins, and Timber and Fins make very, very high quality heirloom type uh, fly fishing accessories. So anything from fly wallets, uh, uh, real cases, that uh, there's all kinds of different things. I'm just naming off the things that really caught my eye. But um, like John said, uh, David's a little bit of a mystery to everybody, but we wanted to bring him on, not only to talk about timber and fins, but talk talk about the passion that got him into the fly fishing and everything else. So um, want to start out and say uh, thanks for being on here, David. We really appreciate it. And turn it over to you to have you tell everybody a little bit about yourself. So the floor is yours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks again, guys, for having me. Uh, I guess it, it, it's, it's kind of funny to me to, to realize that uh, I'm kind of in the background and, and nobody knows uh, who I am or, 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 or where I come from. Uh, in, in my other life, I was actually a lighting designer, which is also kind of in the shadows uh, uh, doing shows. So it's kind of an, an interesting thing there. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I, I come from a design background, like I just said. And uh, about six years ago, when I got my daughter, I, I started thinking about other ways of, of, of living my life because, you know, it's, uh, it can be difficult with schedules and I was on tour a lot. So um, my life was starting to change. So I was starting to look at, at different avenues and fishing was definitely always a passion for me. I mean, uh, I started I, I don't remember the first time I went fishing, but my, my family has a cottage next to a lake and uh, I would go there with my brothers and my dad. And back then, I mean, we, we didn't know anything about fishing really, you know, <laughs> we'd go with a spinning rod and put a worm on a hook and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work, you know, and most of the time it would work on our way back. We would just tore a line in the back and we didn't realize we were actually trolling, you know, we just, we just <laughs> leave it there, you know, for luck, you know, just in case. And that's, you know, we didn't even realize we were, we were using a technique that people were using. Um, so it's always been kind of a family activity for me. And, um, about six years ago, again, I got my first fly rod. Uh, my my father-in-law is a passionate uh, salmon fisher and uh, fly tire, so 
bought me my first fly rod and uh, one day I he showed me how to tie a fly and the next day we went fishing and I caught my first trout on a fly that I tied the day before and from then it was just it was over it was done so it really became a passion from there and I started building rods building uh, making flies uh, building fly boxes which was was actually the first product I started making was a, a wood fly box. <clears throat> um, I was a bit tired of seeing all these uh, plastic products. Uh, you know, you can buy a fly box for 15 bucks on Amazon and it's foam and plastic. And so I was trying to, to, to make stuff just for myself and my friends and family. Um, but it, it started to become a little bit of something where people on Instagram would ask me to make them for them. Um, so that's kind of the the background of of how how the idea of the the business started and then uh so that was about in 2018 that i started to make these uh fly boxes and started selling them just to uh, a couple of people here and there and then uh in november 2019 i officially started the business with uh, the name timber and fins and uh now we've been making uh uh, a lot of leather products uh, you mentioned uh, some of them like the real cases we also make uh, fly tying mats um, fly wallets all kinds of different things so we've really expanded uh, our, our product line uh, in the last couple of years and uh, yeah so that, that that was how it all began dude so you you're a very creative mind right so. <laughs> yes yes so you've got to tell me though, for my, uh, my ignorance here, <laughs> well, what is a light designer? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so basically, uh, you know, when you go see a show, it can be a music show or a play or a dance show or whatever. You, um, whenever there's people on stage, there's light that are, are actually on to, to see them. And then you can design the, those light, design the colors, design the direction and design all kinds of different things for them. Uh, so that's what I used to do. I used to do it for a theater a lot and also for um, for contemporary dance. Um, those, were, those were the two main things I did, but I also did uh, music and, and all kinds of different things like that. Yeah. Did, so that seems like a really stressful job to me. Did, yeah. did you find a lot of, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was really gratifying, but. Uh, was, it, it, it was definitely a stressful thing, you know, going from show to show and often being on tour where, you know, you go from city to city, not not really knowing what to expect in terms of, you know, the space you're getting to, the equipment you're going to get, or even the crew that you're going to have. Um, so it, it was definitely stressful. And, and like I said there earlier, the hours are, you know, you work nights, you work weekends. Um, so it, 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 was, it was definitely starting to be... Uh, a little bit too much for me and uh, now I'm lucky enough that for the last two years I've been uh, working full time for for myself so you know I, I, I go in my workshop I do my thing and I try to stay to my nine to five Monday to Friday so I can have a, a life outside of work and uh, so far my quality of life has definitely improved um, since, since, since uh, retiring from the arts. <laughs> Hey, that's that, that was my next question is at, how is it now working for yourself yeah hey, I mean, but, I, but I, it's funny because I always worked for myself always uh, also as a lighting designer because I was I was self-employed still back then but now it's a bit different because it's all focused on one project you know and my project is my company instead of having you know 
10 different shows in a year where you're getting emails and getting phone calls from different people for shows in two months, for shows in six months, for shows next week. And so it sometimes it, get, it, it would get hard to, to focus. Now I'm happy to be able to really focus my energy on, on one thing. And I'm happy that it's something I'm passionate about. That, that is, that is awesome. <laughs> that is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, when, in, when you originally said like, oh, as a lighting designer, I was thinking, oh, well maybe like architectural lighting or something like that. I never, yeah. I, I didn't even wrap my head around the fact that you would have been doing stuff for, you know, stage production or theater or. Yeah. Or yeah. It was all live shows. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then when you said tour, I was like, maybe that's a French Canadian term. I don't know. <laughs> No, no, I've been lucky to travel all around. Uh, yeah, I've been to Europe a lot. Uh, you know, all across Canada, to a few places in the U.S. Uh, um, and uh, even Asia. So, it, and and for some of it, I, I was a fisherman, so I was able to to bring uh, my rods. I I, I was in Norway. Uh, oh man, for a yeah. week for a show, and then I stayed an extra week. And uh, my wife came and and met me there. So I brought all my gear and was able to to fish over there. So. I, it was lucky that you know it kind of worked out that I was able to to do a little bit of, of fishing when I was at work. Yeah, well that that's fantastic though, and and with that, you know, do you do you find that doing the light design did that really help out when you transitioned into timber and fins, like uh, just with like that creativity of like contrast, light, warmth, cold, those types of things. I mean, I, I've definitely developed some aesthetics visually uh, throughout my lighting designer career. And also, you know, when you're working in a production, you, you often um, look at the production as a whole. So you have a lot of, uh, um, you analyze a lot of the work that's being done, not just for lighting, for the costumes, for the set design, for what's going on on stage. So I think that this kind of, uh, way of thinking of working is now I'm applying to my business and I think it's working and in, in the design department for sure well I, I would I would say so I mean I've never met anyone that got something from Tibber and Fins that said oh this is junk everyone <laughs> that's all, good to hear <laughs> you know no seriously well, everyone always true. says it, it is outstanding quality and I, I think that just has a lot to say about you personally and your work ethics man i mean you you make good products you make really aesthetic products but something i'd like to ask a little bit about is all your stuff is naturally sourced right i mean it's yeah. they are all natural products to my knowledge yeah. i don't i don't know yeah. <laughs> i mean the like i said earlier i was tired of seeing all these these plastic products these foam products uh, all stuff you know usually making in china so the idea and also to you know make something different than everybody was offering um so i tried to to develop products that are made from natural products so um the fly boxes are made from cedar and inside for the strips instead of foam we use a, a mushroom base um product that's called amadou um it's from a mushroom called fomis fomentarius and it's a mushroom that's been used forever. Um, you know, in war, they would use it to, because uh, it, it soaks up water. So for dry fly fishing, you just put your fly in it and it just soaks up the water immediately. But it was used for, for um, when people were injured, they would put it on. And it can also be used as tinder. So they found it on like mummies that were, you know, thousands of years old because they would use it to carry fire from one fire to the other. So it's, it's a really old product, but I... 
I tried to to bring it back because it's great for for the dry fly fishing. So that's one of the ways we've we've changed. So we try really to stay away from from toxic stuff. Like we don't put um, varnishes either. We use waxes and oils. Um, and the leather we use as well is uh, veg tan leather, which means mm -hmm. that the process of the tanning is done naturally with bark and different things like that instead of chemical products. So it's it's something we really try to to keep in mind. It's one of the pillars of our company for sure to to try to be as eco friendly as possible. So with well, that being in mind, uh, I would venture to say, without asking, that you're relatively large in the conservation. Then, I mean. Right now, I, my input in conservation is not necessarily big because I'm still a small company, but I, that's what I try to promote. And that's, you know, we have a, we're starting to have a, a, a small ambassador team. And that's one of the values that we want everybody to, to definitely carry with them is uh, mm -hmm. conservation and making sure that, you know, we respect nature and respect the rivers and because we want our kids to be able to enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is a shared notion here, sir. Let me tell you, we it's if we can't preserve it, then we have nothing to share. Yeah, yeah. So we we do we do as much as we can. <clears throat> yeah, I I mean I I have your website open over here. I'm looking at it as we're talking and stuff like that, and I'm looking at some of these materials. I mean, are are your materials locally sourced also? I mean, the leather, for example, I, I can't source it from, from tanning here. Uh, there's barely, barely any uh, places that do tanning in Canada. I know that there's some in the U.S., um, mm -hmm. but I do work with a wholesaler here in Montreal, so I try to buy stuff from, from them, but they're, they're, they're outsourced from, from other countries, unfortunately. Well, it, it's whatever you can control within that. But like I see Spanish cedar and black walnut, like those types of woods being used. Are are those some uh, are those products harvested in Canada or are they? Um... Uh, some of it is from uh, the U.S. and some of it is from Canada, but some of it is also from Europe for the wood. Europe. Yeah, I was going to say some of it's probably it, it, climate dependent on on where it can yeah, grow. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, I chose uh, Spanish cedar um, because of its uh, properties. It's the same cedar you would use to, to do, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, cupboards for, for clothes, like cedar. Yeah. Uh, so it keeps the bugs away. So it's the same idea for your flies, you know, so it keeps the bugs away. It, it smells amazing, these boxes, when you ac actually have them in your hands. So <laughs> that, that's why we chose to use that product and uh, that, that specific cedar. Yeah, out here in Oregon, we have a couple different species. We have uh, Port Orford cedar, uh, okay. if you've ever heard of that, and then Western red cedar. Yeah, uh, and and both of them both have that really aromatic type smell, yeah. and they and and they stave the bugs off just the same as the oh, Spanish perfect. cedar. So no, that's cool nice. because I I like how you pay attention to that detail though of like you know uh, we we want to keep our hooks dry because we're not using stainless steel hooks we're using carbon steel hooks that are going to rust eventually mm -hmm. whether they're in fresh water or salt water but also you know looking at the different products that you're putting together these this is really intricate detailed and but but you have to really read into it and appreciate it that's the whole thing yeah yeah sometimes you know you see a picture go by and you think oh it's a nice picture but it, it, it it's it's sometimes hard to to make it come across um, as, as all the things that it, it is until you actually uh, put it in someone's hands. Indeed. Let's get to fishing a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what is your, 
What is your go-to species to <laughs> fish for? So I'm going to start by saying that I am a terrible fisherman. <laughs> I love fishing. Okay. I love fishing, but I'm a terrible fisherman. I only catch fish when like I'm able to like go somewhere. I know exactly where to go or someone brings me, um, but I have terrible luck, but I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> I would say my go-to species is definitely trout, uh, brook trout. Um, I fish it a lot in a province called New Brunswick. That's just next to Quebec here. Mm -hmm. um, my in-laws are from there. So often when I'm on vacation, I end up over there and they've got great brook trout rivers. So um, every time I'm there, I am lucky and it's great. Um, but other than that, I, I really like to, to fish for anything. And um, fly fishing is my passion, but you know, you can definitely catch me with a spinning reel once in a while, you know, from a deck, from a dock at the cottage. You know? <laughs> I, 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 I'm open to all kinds of fishing. Uh, you know, at our family cottage, we, we have a lot of bass, uh, some perch, you know, sunfish. Um, I mean, as long as I'm fishing, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And if it's in a river with my feet in the water, I'm even happier, but I'll do a boat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, I'll go ahead, Brian. So uh, out of all those species, I mean, trout and brook trout in, in particular, uh, you, you'd mentioned that your, uh, was it your father-in-law that was really into salmon fishing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so are you guys targeting Great Lakes salmon? No, we're actually talking about real Atlantic salmon that actually runs from the ocean. Okay. Um, there's a lot of rivers in New Brunswick that have them, as well as in Quebec. Mm -hmm. um, I've had the chance to fish for them uh, in a few rivers, but still haven't caught my, put my hands on one yet. Uh, it can take a while sometimes and I'm still hoping and I'm hoping to go uh, this year again. Uh, but he, he has caught a lot of salmon. Um, so I'm hoping we're, we've been talking about this summer trying to, to go in New Brunswick. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see if we, we get the chance to target it again, but it's, for me, it's a rare occasion. You know, if I'm lucky, I go once in a season or twice in a season. So I love it. It's great, but I, I wouldn't say it's my main fishing because it's not what I get to do most often, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in fly fishing, there's a big tradition of, of salmon fishing and even trout fishing as well. But um, in the last couple of years, I can see a lot of opening up to other, you know, you can catch anything on a fly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It doesn't need to be a salmon. Uh, so I am trying to also promote kind of different different types of, of, of fly fishing and uh, have a few products too that are going to come out that are um, more for other things like uh, you know uh, bass bugs and things like that uh, there's a new wallet coming up soon and a few things like that that are just you know trying to opening up to, to different species and not just the salmon and trout. Mm -hmm. Dude have you have you considered going after some esocks? Some what? some uh some like pike or musky oh yeah so i i love here we have um it's called the um chain pickerel 
Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like a it's like a small pike basically, mm-hmm. uh, and they're super fun to fish for. They're so fun to fish for. When you see them come in, like there's a V in the water, and you, you're just like, oh, it's gonna come, and it's just snapping from the side. It's such a fun <laughs> fish to catch. <laughs> After the fight is not so great, you know, you kind of just reel it in, but the the attack is fantastic. Um, we we have a, a product right now that's a fly roll. Um, it's for those big, big, uh, musky and, and pike flies. Uh, um, but I, I still haven't had a chance to catch a musky. uh, but that's something I'm hoping to do, uh, also maybe this season. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, such an incredible fish and, and, and that, and that central, you know, the Eastern Canadian fishery is just so incredible because you yeah. do have the agronomous fish that run in and then you have you know your freshwater fish you have all the lakes you know i mean it's it's all glacial scab land so you have a bunch of lakes and it's just unbelievable but it's like it freezes and then it thaws and it's like everything comes to life and that's what's so cool about it (laughs) yeah i actually went uh ice fishing for the first time uh this year it was actually a great experience no fish but it it, it was fun but i i'm excited to go on uh on on actual water (laughs) well your how was your ice fishing then i mean it I mean, sounds it was, like it sounds was, like it was, a story i i mean i went there with my buddy um my grandfather bought this kit like years ago for ice fishing and we never ice fish it was just a thing to make the hole and then you know i don't even know what they're called but the the kind of small fishing oh, the tip rod. Up. yeah yeah the tip up he had the whole thing it was all ready and 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 uh in the garage and so this year i was like we gotta we gotta try it so i actually bought a tent because i was told you know if you don't have a tent it's a bit it's a bit rough so we had a tent and then we brought all this this stuff and made all these holes and it was great we had a great day it was beautiful and then no fish so we decided let's let's move on to another part of the lake it's more of another bay and i could see as soon as we got there like the ice looked different uh, it was just like you could see it had been shaped by wind and it's a bit more rough so like you know you anchored down the 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 tent and we made the hole and we were sitting there and we started hearing like rumble like thunder and we were like oh what the hell is that is that like uh, cars you know hitting something and we're just hearing it in the background and all of a sudden we just hear this huge crack right under us like we felt it you know and we realized it was like the ice was cracking you know so yeah from far away it would crack and then when it got to us it just like felt like rumble but it was just like i mean there was six feet of ice like it was super safe Mm -hmm. but the first time it happened we were like oh my god i think we gotta go (laughs) (laughs) man but yeah, I, I'd love to go back with someone that knows what they're doing because we were definitely uh, doing what we could, but nothing was happening. Well, I think I think it would be difficult to ice fish in cer- some circumstances unless you knew the lake when it was thawed. Like, okay, yeah. well, there's there's a shelf here and there's structure here, yeah. and you know where you could actually like know where everything was. Like, if you ran yeah. a boat over it with a fish finder and you knew, and you're like, yeah. okay, well, like 200 yards off this point, we're going to go drill this hole and this hole and this hole. But yeah, you I just gotta go do too what you far. Did. I usually I go on a boat on the lake, so the spots that we usually go to were too far. So we just, you know, we went, you know, maybe 30, 40 feet from the from the shore and, and just tried it. But it was it was a great day outside. It was a great experience. So it's it's always good to be fishing, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and, oh, that just such a fascinating fishery uh, and, and a fascinating place to fish. Out of all of it, though, like like you're in like an area that's just saturated with lakes. Are you are are you more into lake fishing or uh, uh, river and stream like river and creek fishing? Yeah, I mean, my favorite is definitely river and creek fishing. Uh, like I said earlier, just you know the the idea of having or the feeling of having your feet in the water, having it flow through you. It's just it's just something that's different than being on a boat. I mean it's it, it, for me it's really the best again i'll take any fishing i'll go fishing at minus 20 you know <laughs> so <laughs> i love being on a boat as well it's just a different experience but if i have to pick it would definitely be uh, waiting uh waiting while I, I i'm fishing for sure so well now i gotta ask do you prefer wet waiting or do you like wearing waders well <sighs> It's rare that it's warm enough. <laughs> to, to I hear you on that, yeah. Um, uh, and when you do, it's you know it's starting to be a little hot for the trout or the salmon. So it depends what you're targeting, but uh, it, it's it's rare that I actually wet weight. I, I usually just I have the full the full weight of suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, understandably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the the brookies you're catching in your area those those are the really colored up ones those aren't like oh, yeah. the the giants but those are the really pretty ones right yeah exactly like usually if i catch a fish that's like eight nine inch you know that's that's a great fish for me <laughs> but they are gorgeous they are gorgeous and there's a couple spot and depending where you fish them depending on what they eat um they they have different colors and some of them will even become pink like salmon you know um there's a in new brunswick a spot we go to where they're golden the belly is golden and then inside are pink 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 it's 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 crazy the colors they have they're they're very small compared to you know trophy fish that people want to target but um for me, it's 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 great. These these little these little fish in a little creek on a dry fly. It's you know, I don't need more than that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, talking about trophy fisheries uh, and brook trout, uh, the Nipigon River. Have you yeah. ever made a venture to the Nipigon? I have not. No, because <laughs> <laughs> I know there's just some absolute monster slob uh, yeah. brook trout in that river. Yeah, the the more north you go and the more east you go, the better you get at, at those trophy trout. Um, like I said, I, I I'm not a I'm not a, a a fisherman that's looking for huge trout and going you know to the spot. You know, I'd rather mm-hmm. be on a river that I don't even know if there's fishing, but there's no one else there. You know, the yeah. the idea of. Uh, doing tour, uh, turns, you know, you fish it for, you know, your five cast or whatever, and then you move down and then I try it. it, it yeah, it's, it's not for fun. For me, that's not what fishing is. You know, I'd rather uh, have less chance of catching fish or catching smaller fish, um, but having the peace of, of having the actual activity, which is the, the most important part for me. You know, trophy is such a relative term, though. I know we all... Yeah, it is. We, we, we put the term trophy on, like, a large fish. Yeah, but those small brookies that you're catching, I think, are a trophy in their own right. I think, mm-hmm. I think the trophy, so. yeah, dude, I think the trophy is what you perceive it as. Yeah, of course. I mean, every fish I catch for me is a trophy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, look what I got. Or, yeah. hey, look what I got. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> it doesn't sure. matter one way or another. It, 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 yeah. the, the important thing is, is you're out there and you're engaging with the fish and you're having fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, the tug is a drug, right? It doesn't matter. It, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Tug's a drug. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, uh, we, last summer, we took, uh, I have a nephew and a niece, and I also have two kids. Um, so we took them fishing on the lake that, that we've been fishing since we were kids. And, uh, you know, we have all the fly fishing gear, but this time we just, we use some, uh, what is it called, Ned Rig. Uh, mm -hmm and everybody caught bass it was just like pop 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 it was, and everybody <laughs> had such a great time you know it was just like as as long as you you feel the feeling of a fish on on your rod you know that's 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 how you get them hooked so it was it was a great time dude that's so awesome i'm i'm so glad to hear that you're t you're able to enjoy such a absolutely beautiful thing we have with your family that's, yeah, as much awesome. as much as uh, as much as we we can, you know, it's it's not always easy to get out, you know, with uh, two young kids and, and the business and everything. Yeah. But when we're able to get out with everybody and everybody has fun, that's that's the most important part. And your wife plays a large role in timber and fins as well, right? She's helping me a lot with. Uh, she works in the uh, communication and, and uh, public relations, so she's been helping me a lot with that that side of the company and just supporting me uh, in, in all the aspects because, you know, it, it is a lot for one person. So, uh, no, she's been great, great support. Well, that's something that I, I noticed that, you know, you put a big emphasis on was was the, the family aspect. And I think that that's something yeah. that a lot of people, we become so individualized in this. It's like, oh, well, there's that that personality and that's person. But really, you put a, a large emphasis on, on that family element in the fishing. And I just think that's really cool because, you're not, you're not just saying get kids involved in fishing and take them out and do, you know, not like everybody, not like the talking heads. You're like, you know, oh, I'm going to take my kids out fishing, do whatever you want, but I'm taking my kids. And I, <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's important to me. And like, uh, you know, some of the, the fishing nets I have, uh, my brother made for me. And so trying to, you know, and the other people that are involved, uh, if they're not blood family, they're, they're definitely family. So it's, it's important to me and it's, uh, it's part of the values we want to, um, you know, uh, show to our kids and show to who, whoever wants to be involved, really. Mm -hmm. So you used to make <clears throat> some of your own rods as well, rods and nets and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you actually, so I was, I was perusing your website on break today at work yeah. and do you still sell nets? So I have a few nets, a few trout nets left, um, but I am in the middle of figuring out if I'm going to keep making them or if I'm going to find someone to do a partnership with. Um, I'm, I'm starting to concentrate more on, on the leather work. Um, so it's, it's difficult to do it all. So right now I have a new shop and it's all set up for leather, but my whip shop kind of took a smaller side of it. So um, I, I'm trying to figure out that aspect of it. And there's also a lot of other people that make nets. So I'm trying to just, just find my, my right niche. Mm -hmm. So for the, you, you did build rods. Oh, and for the rods, I mean, I never sold rods, but all, all the rods I, I own, I, I, I put together myself. Oh, um, dude. That's cool. 
it's super fun it's super fun um you know just doing the cork work on the handles and choosing your thread and doing all the all the work i mean i i really fell in deep so i I did everything (laughs) i don't sell everything but i make everything you know i make my own flies i I make my rods uh, everything i can it's it's i i really like making things so it's uh, it's something i'm definitely passionate about yeah i was was, you beat me to it i was about to ask if you tie flies dude what What's your favorite fly to tie? Okay, so my favorite fly to tie is a simple one, but it's also my favorite one to fish, and it's the LKRS caddis. Oh man, yeah, you can't beat it. It catches fish everywhere. I, I don't need anything else, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> the EHC more it's fish so have died on the end of an EHC than any yeah. other bug. I mean. I, I won't say Royal Coachman, but an EHC just murders fish. And it, I, I also think that it's because I've caught, you know, the first couple of trouts um, on dry fly. Were, my first trout on dry fly was definitely on an LK caddis. And I think mm-hmm. the first one, when I was alone, not with someone kind of showing me the ropes, I just went by myself and found a little creek and caught one on one of those. And it was just it now it's like well i could use another dry fly but why (laughs) but but when you're telling people like they're like oh what fly to get elk hair caddis always comes in it's like dry elk hair caddis yeah you know and throw a copper john in there it's like if you could if you could go hunt trout like if you're like well i'm gonna be in oregon one day and then i'm gonna be in quebec the next and then i'm gonna be down in arkansas one day and then i'll be over in maine i uh, you know you you give them like a list of like three or four elk hair caddis always comes in it's always there and it's just because it mimics so many different hatching bugs i got i got them in my box yeah and they're easy to tie they're beautiful they kind of you know when you cut the head, it kind of looks, it's magical. You know, it kind of just comes, come, yeah, comes just, together. It's just like, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden you have a fly. You're like, oh shit, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hackle your elk hair caddis or is it just uh, a dove body with uh, the elk hair? Yeah, I, I do uh, like a rib with a uh, hackle and then I just do the elk hair. Yeah. Dude, you should, uh, one of our mutual friends, Amanda, right? Yeah. Uh, one of, our mutual friends is uh, Nathan Camp, dude. If you like the elk hair caddis, you need to look at uh, Camp's dry fly. Is okay. what it's called, dude. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it is elk hair caddis plus one step, and it, I've caught infinitely more fish on that fly than I have in elk hair caddis. So you just you just had a ackle where you would uh, make the neck or no, dude. So it's tied in from the rear here. Okay, me, yeah. I'll hold up a, a hook real quick just so I can explain this. I don't have any for all, for all those podcast listeners. Yeah, so this. for all the <laughs> listeners, John's gonna do a live tying demo here. Yeah, yeah. This is the only live tying I've been doing for a while. But um instead of just tying the elk hair up here by your eye, you actually tie in by your bend uh-huh. and you leave the your tips out past your uh, hook point. You secure it there, lift your fibers up. Dub your body, hackle back, fold the elk hair over, secure the front, and then snip the head like an elk hair caddis. Oh, interesting. So So literally, it's one of those uh, beetle bugs almost, but with a yeah, damn near a salmon fly. It's it's deadly, like a small salmon fly. 
Yeah, I like that. I'm getting excited for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you're going to see tomorrow? Oh, yeah, don't man. don't don't name river names, but yeah, oh. yeah. But anyways, yeah. John, John's sitting here talking about dropping dry flies. It's like salmon fly hats, and everybody's like throw chubbies. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the elk hair, that's that's an awesome, that's such an awesome bug. It works so good and it's like super universal. Like when you start seeing the top water eats, you go smaller. Yeah. And then as the season progresses and we get into more of these different hatches, yeah, yeah we get all that good stuff. But yeah. Um, so, so you're a caddis guy, because um, I was going to ask you at some point, what what's like your arsenal of flies that you go through? I mean, are well, you just I, I thinking was, elk hair? I, I was just going to say, I, I guess my second go-to, and if I had to have two flies, it would be a muddler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, muddlers have been, I, I caught my first route on a muddler. Um, uh my brother hooked a salmon on a muddler. Uh, I, it just works. And I feel like it works anywhere because it just looks like a, a little fish, you know? So if it's not a dry fly, I would go for a muddler for sure. Um, what else do I like? I mean, in terms of salmon flies, um, I like all flies that are natural looking. So I don't like flies that are too flashy with um crystal flash and and oh you'd hate tinted. my stuff <laughs> oh, no, i mean it works it works but like for me when i tie it i prefer i try to like use more like natural colors so um i like all the uh, black bear green butts black bear red butts all these uh those are those are good flies ones. for salmon i mean those are yeah. the, and and what uh, so we have five species of salmon here oh, where yeah. you have where you have one but that, that that is a good one i mean that yeah. does it swings deep it with a with a sinking leader it swings deep in the run so gets right yeah. in your face you know and, and it can, they're kind of like oh what's that whap you know yeah, and, exactly <laughs> then you're yeah. off for the ride yeah so that, i guess uh yeah i'm trying to think of the other arsenal i haven't gotten into the nymph game much um i'm, I'm hoping to learn that technique a bit more but uh, uh so, contact like contact nymphing or just nymphing in general just nymphing in general honestly like I, i've done some you know hopper dropper and stuff like that but i haven't really oh, that's uh, a good one you know I, I i don't know much about it i'm sure if i went with someone that actually uh, does it all the time I, I they could show me uh, quite a lot of quinters yeah Dude, it's uh it's it's not it's not super hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, I think think of uh, uh, you just want to feel bottom a lot. That's yeah. what you want to. You know, you want to feel bottom a lot. That's that's yeah. like the best way. I think our buddy uh, Marty. That's even what he goes with. But uh, it, it's like with any kind of like salmonid species or trout. You know, you just want to feel bottom a lot because they're sitting down yeah. there where it's easy to hang yeah, up. Yeah. You load up. You know, all of a sudden your line stops and strip bang. You know, and you're yeah. you're on. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, do so you much fish, fun do you uh i know you said you haven't really gotten into the nymphing but are you planning on like using indicators are you gonna what what's your what's your plan of attack for that honestly i don't have a plan of attack for nymphing at all <laughs> other than you know when nothing else works i'm just like oh, i'm gonna put this at the end of my rod but i probably don't have the right rod to feel it properly anyways but uh i i'm actually uh, i'm going out with a guide um on uh on on june 4th um i'm hoping to, to maybe do a a little bit of that so we'll try it out uh, so do you have for, any for brown trout 
I'm sorry. I just stepped all over you, dude. I apologize for that. No, um, no, no, no worries. Do you have any, so you have local shops, do you? Uh, there is one uh, uh, fly fly shop here in Montreal. Uh, it's uh, it's Orvis Associated. It's uh, called San Monatur. Um, so it's it, they have great selection of material. They have a whole downstairs that's uh, unbelievable. You can find anything you want. Um, anytime I go there, I end up spending way more than I thought I was gonna. <laughs> even if I was just going to say hi, you know, I end up coming out with a bunch of stuff. That's uh, how how these shops work. Eh? Uh, so that's that's one of the shops. But I don't personally have a shop. All my stuff is sold online. Um, and there's a few different shops that have it, but I don't personally have a timber and fins, a brick and mortar right now. So, I mean, talking about that, uh, are, are you looking at, at trying to set up distribution with shops or are you just liking to run everything out of your own wheelhouse so that you can maintain quality control and shipping and all that? I mean, for now, everything is definitely going to be going through me. I don't want to have, you know, outsource it to different, you know, uh, places. I want to keep everything made in Canada. Um, so I think I'm going to try to just grow the team um, before growing it outside. It's, I don't know if it's the best business plan in terms of, of uh, fast growth and making a lot of money, but that's not necessarily what I'm after. Um, you know, I, I, I just want good quality of life, make good products and, and slowly build my business. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of people reach out saying, you know, I can make those wallets for you for that price or whatever. And I could get, you know, a bunch of them made in, in China or in India and then just put my tag on it and sell it to you guys. But that's not what the, the brand is about. Um, so I'm going to try and, uh, maybe grow a bit slower, but, you know, um, hire people here to, to, to do, to do the work. Dude, I, I can get behind that. And I, I really appreciate that. You know, it's, it's that, it's that principle behind it. It's yeah. not a, it's Timber and Fins is David, you know, it's, it, it's not, I, I just, I like that, dude. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mean, that's, that's just so that, 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 that adds another layer of just your product being special. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also how we differentiate ourselves from other, other, other companies. You know, there's a lot of people out there. A lot of people make nice product, but um, not a lot of people make it here. And ours is artisanal and made with really quality products. It might be a bit more expensive than, than, uh, if you're looking at a plastic fly box or if you're looking at a canvas uh, wallet made in China, but it will definitely outlast you. And, um, you know, you're supporting a local, maybe not local if you're in the U.S., but you're still supporting, you know, good people. And, uh, you know, we're not exploiting people. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, oh, I think I think there's a lot to be said about the quality of product that you purchase initially. And you know, we're, we're about affordability on the podcast, right? We're, we're working class fishing for a yeah. reason. And people know that we're about affordability. We're not necessarily saying that that means that you have to skimp on quality though. Yeah. And, and even if it means that you get one good product instead of 10 bad products, you're better off to put your money into one good product yeah. than 10 bad products. So there's, there's a balance of economic responsibility versus 
um, you know, this, this whole quantitative type thing where you just build up a bunch of stuff. And I think that's where people get lost with that price point is like, you know, like I, I look at the price point. Sometimes I get, I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. But then you start really looking at it and if you, you, you can't just dismiss like, oh, geez, that's $135 or that's $95. You know, yeah. um, you, you really have to look at it. But what you, what you build and, and like what you say is heirloom quality. This isn't meant to just break. This is no. meant to be passed around or passed down or last you a long time. Yeah, and I mean, all the leather products, when you receive them, you know, they'll be a bit stiff. Uh, they won't be as like uh, dark and shiny. And the more you use them, the more they'll darken, the more they'll become, you know, they'll, they'll shape to whatever you're, you're using them. So it, it's products that actually looks better the more you use it and the older it gets. Um, and it's, it's important for me. We have so many products now in our lives that will break, you know, every year. Uh, every two years, even washing machines now, you know, we used to have them for 20 years. Now, five years later, you have issues with them. So it's mm -hmm. it, everything is made cheap. Um, and our products, you know, they, they might seem a, a bit more expensive to, than, than different products. But when you think about it, if a product takes two, three hours to make, just that in, 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 in terms of, uh, of the price it takes for time, you know, it, it goes up fast. So we actually don't make, you know, 400% on, on the products that we sell. You know, we, we cover a cost and, and try to find the, the price point that, that, you know, we can also make it affordable and not, not sell wallets for $500, you know. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. So, yeah, I was just, you, you had me thinking, you know, I've, sorry, I kind of got, kind of got lost in my own mind there but my brother made this leather wallet for me yeah like from naturally sourced leather from tennessee and it does have that shine and it's nice and it's it you know it's i was just thinking about how cool that would be to have that fly box and and, you, and maybe this is a little out there but you know you, you get to kind of think about like well that crease happened on this fishing trip right yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot of people that buy, you know, the, the fly tying mats and they're beautiful. They're made from a veg um, sand buffalo leather. So it's really thick and it's 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 super nice to work on. Um, and a few people have emailed me saying, oh, I love it. It's beautiful. It's great. But I, I don't want to tie on it. I'm, I'm scared of, you know, scratching it or having a piece of glue or something happening to it. And every time I'm like, well, it was made to be used, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you have to like see those scratches and those marks and all these different things as, you know, memories that you've done about, you know, that fly that you made for that fishing trip and all these different things. I have a big mat that I work on and it's got, you know, coffee stain and glue stain. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. The more, the more there's stuff on it, the, the nicer it is. And then after that, you know, you can always wax it at the end and, it, you know, it makes it a bit better, but those scratches yeah. will just kind of become history of whatever the product you have you know i've i've got this this kitchen table back here and uh, i remember the first time my son was doing his homework on it he was oh, yeah. he, he was writing some i mean this was you know this the amish made this table so you know it's it's sturdy but as he was doing his homework uh he was making inventions in the table when he was writing his numbers for his math homework and my wife, she freaked out. She's like, oh, my God, our, our table. And I was like, no, this is 
this is what this table's for. Yeah. This is, this is, and that's just cool, dude. That's really cool, man. Like, man, that's, (laughs) that's, that, that just makes you feel good thinking about something like that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love the idea of, you know, you know, my grandfather has given me stuff, you know, you made, you made a, a sailboat all out of wood, you know, with little pieces and stuff. And when I was a kid, it gave it to me. So like, to me, it was like, oh, wow, I'm getting this from my grandpa, you know, so there's something like, nice about giving down to people where it's like, it has even more value than than what it is. But it's nice when it's actually a really nice object that can keep on living, which is the case with the with our leather products. So it's kind of nice mm-hmm. to, a lot of people get their family name or the initial on it as well which you know kind of makes it special yeah well i think that uh just that whole idea of like you're making things to be used and people are like they don't they don't want to hurt it but at the same time it's like that's how the memory's made i think that's something that that a lot of people overlook is you know you don't necessarily buy things to like keep them pristine and clean and nice you know you're you're buying these things to use uh, unless you're like you know, I, I don't know, like germaphobic or something. I don't know, but it's like, you know, it's like buying that really nice fly rod. You're, you're not buying it to hang on the mantle. That's pointless. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to go out there and you're going to freaking try to lace every fish that you can. <laughs> so it's going to go through the brush. It's going to get thrown on the bank. You're going to have it, you know, in the back of your truck or car or up on the rack or whatever else. And you're going to be driving around. It's going to get dirty. It's going to, you know, reel's going to get scratched you know, but though you can remember every time something happens, like how did that cork handle get that patina on it? Well, that's from grabbing so many fish and like, or, or how did it get that big scale on it? Well, I was fishing here and that scale just got stuck in there. Or it's like all of those different types of things. It's it's not all like the first scratch that always hurts the most, right? It's yeah. Yeah. So I I think (laughs) when you get something new, you should just scratch it right away and get it over with. Yeah, just done over. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was like people with vehicles, right? You know, like yeah. they buy a brand new vehicle and they're and they're like polishing it and clay barring yeah. it and waxing it and everything else. And it's like, did you buy it to use or to look at? Because you use paid later, a lot of freaking money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like you paid a lot of money for that to just have it sit in your driveway and be like a, you know, a, come on, you know, it's the same thing though, but. What makes me happy is you're making products that you can do that with and that they're going to last. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the leather we use is pretty thick, so it's, it's, it's hard to get through it. Um, and also anything, you know, if, if the fur, you know, it pulls out too much, it's, it's easy to replace and, and we stand by our products. So whenever there's any issues, um, not that we, we get many, but if there is an issue, uh, we'll replace or fix, fix the products for sure. I mean, that's, that, that's even better. <laughs> that's even better because if, if you're going to spend money on a quality product, you want it to be backed. And that is, that is so crucial, especially in the fishing world because life happens, dude. Oh, yeah. Fishing happens. Uh, Bill Dance happens. You know, it's like... Uh, don't say that name, John. <laughs> I, I, I think we've made it far enough now. We're not going to okay. crash. We're not going to crash. Okay. <laughs> I'm still paranoid, man. I'm like, over your shaking. Every, 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 generally, every time I say Bill Dance on here, something goes wrong with the podcast. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> that's twice. But, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm flirting with disaster now. But... <laughs> 
Well, we can you know, do this again tomorrow, but I'll be barbecuing outside at the same time, so it might be a little bit hectic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's you break a rod. Well, if you didn't get go through a company with a warranty, you're SOL. Right. And especially if you're if you're paying for a tool, and you need that tool to work to perform its job. And something happens, it's nice to have to have someone to have your back. So I'm I'm really thankful that you offer that for your products, man. That's of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, we like I said, we make product that we want to last. So if it's not lasting, we're gonna fix the issue for sure. Dude, so I mean, I guess this is kind of the, the, the thing we've been doing, but we've been talking about food like every podcast now yeah. <laughs> so so do you eat um do you eat any fish that you catch or are you all catch and release so it depends on where i'm fishing um but if i'm in a river that has a lot of fish and it's a healthy fishery um i'll be happy to to grab a couple of trout and uh, cook them on the fire that's one of my favorites for sure um, I, I like eating uh, chain pickerel as well. It's a little trickier to prepare, but it's really nice white fish. Um, I love it. Uh, it's fish and chip. Um, no, I, I like eating fish, you know, for, for the longest time when I was younger, um, I didn't like going fishing if, you know, we knew we can keep the fish, you know, because, you know, of the pollution or different things like that. You know, the idea of just catching a fish to catch a fish and release it, I, 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 I wasn't sure about that. I was more like, well, if I'm going to catch a fish, it's because I want to eat it. And then mm -hmm. that's part of the course. Um, now I've changed a bit my mind, depending, you know, because I've learned different things about conservation and, and uh, the different fisheries. So um, now I understand catch and release, which I didn't understand when I was younger. So if I'm going to catch a salmon, I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely set it free. If I'm in a fishery where there's plenty of fish and, you know, catching a few is not going to matter, then I like to fish to eat. Um, and fresh fish is delicious. So, yeah. What's, what's your favorite way to prepare some of your fish? I mean, my the trout for me is just with it, with some butter in a pan or just okay. wrapped up with some a bit of onion in it and wrapped up and just throw them in the coal for 15 minutes and then just eat it right off the bone. It's it's the best. That's my favorite kind. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I actually uh, have a, a blog post on the website uh, with that, that recipe of wrapping it in, uh, in some tin foil and, and cooking it in the fire. It's it's so good. It's so good. It doesn't need much to be good. So do you do you offer, uh, you said blog post. Um, yeah. do, you, do you have like an email that goes out updating people of, of new blog posts or anything of that nature? Yeah, we have a newsletter. Um, I tried to send it out at least twice a month. Um, and we have uh, fly of the month, which usually is a, um, a tying tutorial with some pictures and a bit of history about a fly. And then we have uh, fish stories, which is usually more of a fishing uh, adventure story or outdoors adventure story. Um, they're usually pretty fun stories. Some of them, you know, we have one about Sasquatch. We have one about uh, <laughs> You know fishing as a kid with your grandparents so we have different ones so those as soon as the blog post post uh, get puts up uh, it, it gets sent out to the newsletter to everybody so um we have a few recipes on there um, 
and a few different things. So we try we try to have some fun content for people to, to come and check out. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, you know what? We're coming up on our hour time here, uh, and I always get to be the official timekeeper. However, however, <laughs> what I want uh, what I want you to uh, let people know is is uh, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you if they have questions or they want to look and buy your products? Look yeah. at and buy your product. Yeah, I mean the place we're most active is on Instagram um so if if you're on instagram and you want to follow us there uh, just at timber and fins um and if you uh, send us a message it's actually getting straight to me so if you want to talk to me i'll, I'll be there if not you can go to our website which is uh, uh, com, and there's a contact section and on the website where you you can write us and we'll uh, write you back by email um so those are the two main places we also have a facebook page so you can reach us on there and there's also a chat on the on the actual website so if you want to contact us through there that's that's another possibility as well awesome david dude you are awesome and thank you so much for spending your evening with us i know it's pretty getting pretty late for you but i appreciate you guys having me it's it's a pleasure Dude, it's uh it's just been fun, man. And for 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 the man, I couldn't find anything on. <laughs> I feel like I know you a whole lot better now. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Next time, hopefully, we'll go fishing. Yeah, we should, dude. That would be so sick. Yeah, that would be so I would, sick. I would love to come up to uh, Quebec and and fish. I would love to come to Canada and fish. I know the borders, I think, are still closed, but. Uh, we would love yeah, I'm not to sure get... what's going on right now, but uh, it's, it's been a little tricky, but hopefully soon we can start uh, crossing uh, freely and, and, and fishing in each other's pond. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on here and, and being a part of our podcast. Uh, it's been just an absolute pleasure having you here. And, um, you know, we look forward to doing this again soon at some point. Uh, we always tell our, our guests that we'd love to have them on down the road. So, you know, think about think about those big projects you might have coming up that you want to put out a special announcement, anything else. But what an absolute pleasure yeah. to have you. Well, it was a pleasure as well. Thank you, guys. And as always, everyone, thanks for listening. And this episode has been brought to you by Troutlander Nets, exploration through innovation, Maxon Outfitters, made by anglers for people that fish, lid rig, use your head, snip different, and Morris Flyco. And if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can always reach out to us uh, through any one of our social media channels. That would be Working Class Fishing on Instagram, WC Fish or Working Class Fishing on Facebook, Working Class Fishing on YouTube, Working Class Fishing on TikTok, or you can email us at workingclassfish at gmail.com. So until next time, make sure you hit that follow button. Make sure that you subscribe to us or wherever you're listening to us from. Leave us a good rating and a review, and we really appreciate everybody's listenership. So until next time, thanks for listening.